Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. We have a new mayor, Nashville. We also have a new Metro Council. Now that the election is over, it's time to get down to business. But before we look at the issues of our new metro government that that they're facing, let's examine the results of the election and get some analysis on how things played out. This election made history for our city. For the first time, women will be in the majority of Metro Council, winning all five at-large seats. Nashville also voted in Olivia Hill, the first openly transgender elected official in the city's history. To help us get an understanding of what this all means, we've invited a few guests to the show who know a thing or two about local government. Bill Phillips is a a former deputy mayor who served in the administrations of Mayor Bill Purcell and Representative Jim Cooper. Bill, thanks for being here and welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you with us. And Nicole Williams keeps a keen eye on Metro Council. She breaks down Metro Council meetings on Twitter under the handle at Startles Easily, and she has a column in the Nashville scene and is a former guest of the show. Nicole, good to have you back. Thanks for being here. Hi, Khalil. I'm very excited to be back. I'm excited to have both of you here. Okay, so, you know, let's begin. Let's by looking at the race for mayor. Freddie O'Connell defeated Alice Rowley. O'Connell won 64% of the vote. Nicole, what does that margin, what does that say to you about where the voters, what the voters were looking for in this election? So I think it's really interesting because a lot of people were making comparisons um, to the 2015 election where former Mayor Megan Barry um, faced off against David Fox in the runoff. Uh, David Fox was Alice Rowley's treasurer. And um, I think, you know, he kind of tried to thread the same needle that Alice tried to thread of being conservative, but still trying to appeal to a broader swath of the electorate in order to attempt to get elected. Um, In that election, I believe it was 55-45. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds right. So um, much less of a mandate, I would say, Mm. um, for former Mayor Megan Barry. I think Mayor-elect Freddie O'Connell, it's crazy to say that, um, (laughs) (laughs) has sort of more of a mandate um, and, and... more of an exclamation point on his approach to the campaign and uh, I think how we'll see him govern. Bill, what's your take? Do you think Mayor-elect O'Connell has a mandate? Well, uh, clearly he does have a mandate, but I also think that the voters uh, love an underdog and love to see him win. Mm. Uh, And so when he came in in the general election in such a solid position, then support started swinging his way from some from his former opponents. In your view, yeah. what, what was it about his campaign? Like, what was the difference in how he ran for office? He was everywhere, uh, whether mm-hmm. you're talking about media, every form of media. But he would, every time uh, there was a gathering of three or more, he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he worked and he worked hard. Plus, this wasn't an overnight thing. Uh, he's been thinking about this for years. Uh, I've heard him talk about 10 years ago, he started thinking about what direction the city needed to go and what he might do to lead that. Mm. Now, what are your thoughts about Alice Rowley and her campaign? 
Well, she got what Trump got. And that's about what you're going to get in Davidson County at this point without being able to gather in some some that wouldn't normally uh, support a, quote, Republican, unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and she was unable after in the six weeks between the general and this runoff to attract an, enough new voters into her camp. Uh, she needed independents and she actually needed some Democrats in order to uh be much closer or possibly win. Of course, uh, Nicole and others are reminding me last week that I made this great prediction that it was <laughs> going to be closer than what some people thought. I carefully did not use any numbers, but uh, I am eating crow. So if you know of any good sauces, let me know because oh. I've got a couple of days of crow eating. So. Oh, well, check back at uh, yeah. go through the archives at This Is Nashville. We did a wonderful episode about hot sauce a little while ago. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic hot sauces made here in town. Now, in August, there were 12 candidates for mayor. The finalists were O'Connell, who is a progressive, and Rowley, who is a conservative. Now that you know the race for mayor is not doesn't happen on along party lines, but you know the runoff kind of played out that way. Nicole, is it surprising to you that the mayoral finalists shook out to be a pretty clear Democrat Republican split? It's not surprising to me uh, because of the number of uh, candidates in the general election. I think you saw. You know, Matt Wiltshire, uh, Senator Jeff Yarbrough, Senator Heidi Campbell, all going essentially for the same voters. Um, and they basically splintered that vote. So it left a lane for Alice Rowley to come in and get that number two spot. Um, and Freddie really differentiated himself from the pack. Yeah, you know, how. How do you think O'Connell will govern? I mean, he's now the mayor-elect of the entire city and mm-hmm. not just the folks who voted for him. Do you think he'll have to, or he will, take a little bit more of a moderate and centrist position? Well, I think what's interesting is that people who don't like Freddie paint him as sort of this, you know, crazy, radical, left-wing, um, socialist, I don't know, pick the term you want to use, but he's incredibly pragmatic. And I think he has shown that in his eight years of service on the Metro Council. Um, He is very thoughtful. He makes informed decisions about legislation. And um, so I I would see him already as a little more um, moderate or pragmatic, perhaps, than people paint him to be. Um, so I, I see him definitely continuing that as mayor um, and working with all different types of populations, bringing them into the conversation. I've said Freddie is one of the best retail politicians I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think he will uh, he'll be he will be a mayor for all of Nashville and he's prepared to do that. Bill, what are your thoughts? Well, Everybody that's elected to an office like mayor or governor, and particularly if you come from the legislative, you find out it's not what exactly what you expected, and he's not going to be any different. Um, you know, instead of 40 votes, he is the vote. And so he's going to find that he has to make decisions, and he, but he's very thoughtful, as uh, Nicole said, and he's very pragmatic. And he showed that during the campaign as he reached out for others. Mm. Uh, and so I think he's going going to settle in. Uh, this morning, 
he announced that his priority at the very beginning is to pull in the best staff he can find. That's a very smart move on his part, and it, uh, Nashville should be encouraged by that. Mm. All right. Now, let's talk about the results for Metro Council. Last night, four of the five Metro at-large seats were up for grabs. Nicole, this is your wheelhouse. Let's talk about the winners. Who are they? So, um, Council Member Zulfat Sawara had already uh, worked her way into uh, a Metro Council at-large seat. She was running as an incumbent, and she got the number one seat. Um, and so, we had four seats left. So, the number two will be Council Member Delicia Porterfield. She was the district council member for District 29 in Southeast Nashville for four years, uh, five years, actually. She won a special election. And um, the number three seat will be Quinn Evans Siegel, who has not been in politics. She uh, previously served on the Industrial Development Board. Um, number four will be Berkeley Allen, currently a council member. Um, and then five is Olivia Hill. The thing that's incredible about this, we have so many firsts. Mm -hmm. So with the election of Vice Mayor Angie Henderson, uh, it's all women on the front row and at the dais. Um, so that's the first time that's happened. The first time a black woman has won the number one seat, um, Council Member Suara. The first time black women have won number one and number two with Council Members Suara and Porterfield. And as you mentioned, um, the first openly transgender public official in Tennessee with uh, Council Member elect Olivia Hill. That's really something else. It's 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 a it's kind of remarkable. It is that Nashville was able to do that. Now we got to take a quick break coming up in a second. So I just want to ask you yes or no questions. Did you think that that was possible here? No. No, Bill. No. Yeah, but it entirely was. Wow. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue our look at last night's election results and talk about some of the results for Metro Council Districts 4, 11, and 29. So let us know what you think about the election results by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. Now, before we go, we want to thank you for your continued support of This Is Nashville and WPLN. We're here because of you. And now it's time to keep that support going by hitting up WPLN.org. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. We are breaking down the results of last night's election. Voters hit the polls to elect our new mayor. Freddie O'Connell won 64% of the vote over his opponent, Alice Rowley. The at-large members of Metro Council were also decided, and the city made history by voting in its first openly transgender elected official in Olivia Hill. But there were also districts that needed to be settled last night. Here to talk about what went down in Metro Council and in Districts 4, 11, and 29 are my guests, Nicole Williams and Bill Phillips. Thanks again to both of you for joining us. Sure. Now, Bill, what what do you think about the makeup of our Metro at-large members now as it stands? Well, I think that's going to be what the national media will pick up on, is that for the first time, this council, which is one of the largest will be a majority woman council. And then for all five of the at-large to be female is uh, is of great notice. And 
sends a good message to the rest of the country. Um, I uh, think we got a good solid mix in those five. We've got three veterans. We've got two brand new that are going to bring new ideas and new viewpoints on. It looks like to me that probably two or three of them uh, managed to uh, outpace the other opponents because there was some selective voting. Uh, you go in and you vote for one at large, that dilutes the other four mm-hmm. or, or the rest of the of the field. And so probably uh, one or two were elected because there was some target voting going on, which is a perfectly good way to do it. So, <laughs> All right, some little inside baseball right, right there. Mm-hmm. You know, our Metro Council members, uh, again, are, are women. It's the first time in the city's history, and it's going to make national news. Nicole, what do you what do you expect from this impactful quintet of lawmakers? So I think that we will see, hopefully, hopefully I say, a more progressive um, shift in the front row of the council. Um, I am hoping that these women will drive progressive policymaking in a way that we really haven't seen uh, the at-large members as a whole working together. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to see that. I'm hoping overall that the council uh, has the ability to, to come together behind progressive policies, but I'm not going to count my chickens just yet. Uh, the last Metro council was supposed to be the most progressive in Nashville's history. And, and I would say that they were a bit of a disappointment as far as that was concerned. So I'm, mm. But I'm hoping, I'm very hopeful for this this next council. All right. So go, moving on to District 4, where Davette Blaylock took on Mike Cortez. Cortez won by 277 votes. Not a lot. Nicole, what can you tell us about the race and how the candidates distinguished themselves from one another? Well, what's interesting about this is Davette Blaylock was a council member for, I believe, for eight years um, in another district. I I think she was 27. Um, I could be wrong about that. Sorry if I'm wrong. Um, But she is quite conservative, and she ran that way. Um, And Mike Cortez, I think, ran from more of a centrist, moderate uh, perspective. And ultimately, he won out. His argument won the day. Now, you know, both seem to have focused on this bridge building, creating an environment for bipartisanship. Do you think that that is possible? I think that on the council, it's more possible than it is at, say, the state legislature. Um, it It's helpful that the elections for council are nonpartisan. So people aren't necessarily forced into boxes or camps right out of the gate. And you can see people surprising you and not necessarily always voting the conservative party line or always voting the progressive or liberal party line. Um, So I think that that's definitely possible. We've seen that in the past, and I expect that to continue. Now, the biggest contrast between candidates came in District 11, where conservative Jeff Eastlick defeated progressive activist Eric Patton by just 27 votes. I mean, wow, this feels like student council elections back in high school where these razor-thin margins. You know, Bill, what does that microscopic margin, what does it tell you about the people in District 11 and what they want from their council member? Well, it tells me that they are thoughtful. Um, that that particular area of the county uh, 
is somewhat conservative uh, on its day-to-day activities and such, um, and that it was evenly, almost evenly split, like you say, 27 votes. Mm-hmm. What was very impressive to me was that last night, even though it was so close, uh, the the losing candidates sent out a congratulatory and wished the best for the opponent. And as you know, there was some side action going on in that there was some uh, some things said about uh, the losing candidate uh, in a flyer that was sent out. And in, in spite of that, there was not that bitterness. And so that shows that nonpartisan approach and that let's work together. So there's a victor. Let's move forward. And finally, there was District 29, where the margin wasn't as close as the other races. Tasha Ellis, pardon me, defeated John Reed pretty handily. Nicole, tell us about Tasha Ellis. What was her platform? So I'm going to be honest. I did not follow that race very closely. Um, I I know that she um, has a history of sort of organizing and um, working in the general political sphere. And I think that she had a very professional campaign apparatus. Um, She was very, you know, polished and practiced. um, And I think I think that helped her a lot. What about her opponent, John Reed? I know John Reed kind of focused on transportation and Tasha Ellis was talking about infrastructure. Those are two key issues that constantly come up on the show and that I hear Nashvillians talk about. Do you think that's what kind of pushed her over, Bill? Well, yes, but also I think that transportation is a part of infrastructure. And so she took a broader approach that there's more than traffic lights and the number of cars on a street, but that you've got to have the infrastructure for people to move, for them to get to work, to school. To church. Yeah, yeah. It, to come to WPLN to be on the show. Right. Yeah. So let's talk, let's go back to the mayor's race for a quick second. In his victory speech, Freddie O'Connell acknowledged that Nashville has a lot of inequality and something that can be traced throughout the city's history. Let's listen. And it is work, but we are up to the challenge. We still have deep, painful scars from a past that treated too many people unjustly. And too many of us are experiencing new injuries. So the work of repairing and healing is necessary. And not as many people as we hoped have been able to access the economic success of this city, so we need to broaden opportunity and access to prosperity. All right, so Nicole, how do you think Freddie will approach economic inequality for all Nashvillians. Yeah, I think that he is going to do that by focusing his efforts on, um, you know, projects and proposals that attempt to level the playing field. So I think building up an efficient and effective transit system is part of that. Uh, He likes to talk about how transit and affordable housing are sort of inextricably linked. Um, He tells a story about how he got rid of his car, rode the bus, and he and his partner, Whitney Boone, uh, Dr. Whitney Boone, saved up 
enough money to put a down payment on their house by doing that. So that's part of it. I think also he has a history of really focusing on homelessness and affordable housing. He was on the Homelessness Planning Council for many years. Um, And so I think he will really pour his energy into those types of sort of attempts to level the playing field and and create opportunity for all Nashvillians. Real quick, I got about 30 seconds left. Yeah. What do you think will be his first order of what do you think will be the first order of business for the council? Oh man. There are so many things that they have to deal with that were sort of left unfinished from the last council. Um So we'll see. I mean, they might take up the Speedway, although I kind of expect that deal to change. Um, And they will be talking about license plate readers. So um, I'll be interested to see how all of that shakes out. Nicole Williams is an expert on Metro Council. She has a column in the Nashville scene and can be found on Twitter at Startles Easily. Nicole, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. I had a great time. And Bill Phillips will stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll get some inside knowledge on what it's like to work on council in a mayoral administration with people who spend some time doing that work. And as always, you can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. And we want to thank you for your support of WPLN and This Is Nashville. So now's the time to keep that support going. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil Ecolona, and this is Nashville. So we have a new mayor and new Metro Council members. Some have experience working in local government. Others, they're the new to the game, as the kids would say. So what's it like to be a council member at large? How does a mayoral administration in Nashville actually work? My next guest has firsthand experience of what it's like to be a Metro Council member. Bob Mendez is a former Metro Council member at large and is a friend of the show. Bob, thanks for being here. Welcome back to This is Nashville. Great for having me. Appreciate it. Really appreciate you being here. I got to ask you, how does it feel to have an election come and go without having to work on your own campaign? Well... It's uh, strange. It's the first one in a while that I haven't been on the ballot. Um, But, you know, with uh, our term limits in Nashville, that's the way it works. You know, that's the deal from the get go. So it's actually it's it's been liberating to dive in on a bunch of different campaigns for people that I believe in rather than having to spend 100 percent of my time just on, on myself. Now, some folks out there may have an idea, but tell us, how grueling is it to run for local office? Well, the first person you need on board is your spouse um, yeah. every single time, because if you don't have that support, you just can't get through it. Um, you know, um, a lot of us um, in our day jobs, uh, like we live in an environment where you don't get to drop any balls. You have to do everything. And then when you get to politics, you can never, ever, ever get it all done. And and getting comfort with working all day long and never getting it all done and always worrying about what else you could have done, should have done, would have done, um, is uh, it's taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, everybody who does it does it for the love of the community and uh, desire to help. So um, uh, most people do it with a smile. What are you going to miss the most? Um you know, there's there's a million little ways that I've been able to help um, people, small groups, big groups, things that don't make it into the press, things that nobody will ever put on a bumper sticker, um, those sort of things that, that you really do every week on the job in office. 
um, are really, truly gratifying. And that that I'll miss, that opportunity. Now, when current Mayor John Cooper announced that he wasn't running for re-election, people thought you would throw your hat into the ring. Now, you quickly dispelled those notions. But tell us, what do you think of last night's results? Well, I'm, I'm really proud of uh, now Mayor-elect O'Connell. Um, you know, I think he... He captured the right message at the right time. Uh, you know, we, we, we live in weird times. The, the pressure of national politics, which bleeds down to the state level, it's, a, it's an immense pressure on our local government and people who live here. And Freddie's message of no matter what's going on at the state level, whatever's going on at the federal level, you know, like, let's, let's stay here. Let's keep working together. Let's build Nashville for Nashvillians. Um, that was the, the message that um, captured the mood of the community at this time. Now, you've been active in city government for a long time. How did this race compare to past mayoral runs? Well, and I, I know you all talked about this a little earlier uh, and yesterday. When, when there's a large field, um, people, candidates have to get in a lane. And, um, and some lanes um, don't resonate with voters. And, uh, and, and I think... Um, that's 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 a similarity with 2015, certainly when there was a large number of candidates, and um, and you know I think the uh, if there's one conservative candidate, it's in a large field pretty easy to make it to the runoff, and then among everybody else, um, somebody's going to have the message that sticks at that time, and and Freddie had the right message this time. You know, a lot of voters feel like the city is on the wrong track. I'm interested in your thoughts. You're a civilian again. Yeah. Um, you know, part of the reason I ran in 2015 is I, I might have been an early adopter on the wrong track message. I, I felt one of the main reasons I ran is that I thought that the promises of a generation ago were that we would build downtown so we could pay for the things we need to do as a city. And we lived up to the first half of that bargain to build a wonderful A-plus world-class tourist destination but we're objectively, um, you know, water fountains still don't work in schools. We still don't have enough sidewalks, et cetera, et cetera. And that that broken promise, um, we're partially fulfilled promise. Mm. You know, we, we need new goals as a city, and that's been the case for a while. Um, frankly, I think we would have made more progress on that by now if it hadn't been for tornadoes and epidemics. Um, but now now's the time. People want to know what's next. Where are we going to be another 15 years down the road? And let's start moving that way. Only time will tell. Now, former Deputy Mayor Bill Phillips is still with us. Bill, thanks again sure. for joining us. What do you think about the majority of Nashvillians who think that the city is headed in the wrong direction? Well, uh, you know, people expect certain things out of city government. Local government is particularly personal. Uh, it also is the most effective in my mind because you can get something done. Um, you know, Bob was talking about you can get some things done for people. There's something really reassuring to know that, well, I called this morning and that pothole was filled by nightfall or the next morning. And so it's very personal. Uh, so when they have rough roads that they're driving to the grocery store on or their kids uh, are having issues at school because of facilities and such, that makes them unhappy and rightfully so. And I think this election, we we got a good uh, cross-section of veterans, but also some new people with new ideas, including the mayor-elect. What does voter, voter turnout 
tell you about how important this election is to voters? Well, you know, it, it voter turnout is always a disappointment. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I can remember they used to say, well, in Russia, it's 100 percent, but then there's only one candidate. And if you don't vote, there are penalties. So mm -hmm. we don't want that. Uh, but I, I wish more people would come and express their 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 vote at every level, but particularly that local level. What really, really take to make that happen here in Nashville? Controversy. <laughs> People, you know, will get involved in that. You know, one of the things in the mayor's race this time is people tried to make it more partisan than it was. it's designed to be. Mm. And I do think that that had some impact. Uh, if you're a progressive, you don't want a right-wing person in. Or if you're a conservative wanting more uh, conservatives, you know. And so that kind of got some uh some mileage. Is, is that like a sign of the current political times we are locally and nationally or, or I that think it's, something I else? think it's coming over the top of the dike a little bit. Mm. Uh, but what's interesting to me is that yesterday's election in Metro should be a signal to the state that they're really not too concerned about what the uh, legislators from the rural parts of the city think our council should be, uh, the size and the makeup and such, or our daily running. Okay, I, I want to kind of drill down on that a little bit. You know, Bob, I was going to ask you about the biggest challenges that the mayor-elect O'Connell is going to be facing and Metro Council will be facing as they, you know, get their administrations and get to work. But, you know, a huge issue a lot of people have talked about is the city and the state's relationship. And Bill just said that it, the voters showed not necessarily, they don't necessarily care what the state has done up to this point. What? How do you think Mayor O'Connell should go about developing a relationship with the state? Well, it's got to be, um, it's got to be two prongs. Um, on the one hand, um, he should reach out, talk to the um, the leadership in both houses. He should talk to the governor. He should build relationships there. Um, you know, there, there's questions about what the quality of those relationships have been over the last few years. And, um, and, he, and he should take every opportunity to work as to get together as much as possible. But by the same token, on the other prong, we have to be aware that in every supermajority red state in America, where there's a top 25 city, the top 25 city is under attack from the supermajority red. And the only lesson that we can look at for the supermajority while they've been in power in Tennessee is that every year it comes back with a worse slate of legislation for the LGBT community, for women's reproductive rights, for voting rights, and the cities where those marginalized groups live. And we should not expect that there's anybody who can magically build a relationship that's going to defeat these national trends where supermajority red states go after top 25 blue cities. And and those things just have to be balanced. Now, we got a tweet at from at Dixie Girl 256. She says, quote, I am a Williamson County res resident, but I work in Nashville and grew up there. I care deeply about it and couldn't be happier about Mayor Freddie and the new look of the Metro Council. I'm thrilled to see our local government starting to look like more like the people they represent. Along with what you just said, Bob, how do you think Freddie should go about developing relationships with local cities and counties? 
Yeah, I think Freddie's actually going to be in pretty good shape for that. You know, there's been a lot said recently about um, all his work uh, on transit and other issues before he ever made it to the council. Um, and I, I uh, Freddie is uh, one of these uh, stealth relationship collectors. He he has an amazing array of relationships, um, even for somebody in politics. And I think we're going to see that he does a pretty good job of um, having productive relationships with leaderships of our surrounding cities and counties. Now, I want to get on to advice that you both have for new Metro Council members, new Metro at-large council members, and this new mayor. Now, but Bill, you know, give us quick little background on what the deputy mayor actually does and how that's different from the position of vice mayor. Okay, deputy mayor is appointed by the mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not elected. Uh, you serve at the pleasure. Uh, every Deputy mayor and mayor establish their own relationship depending on the personalities and what they. And so when I was deputy mayor for Bill Purcell, I did it differently than I did when I was deputy mayor for John Cooper because you had different, a different mayor and different. Um, but basically, you're the guy that examines what's going on, what needs to move forward. Uh, and also, you often are the one that says no. Mm-hmm. And so that that's part of the job there. There's no authority given to slot, uh, you know, deputy mayor. It's something that you use and you uh, G and haul with the staff. And and so it, it's there's no real definition as such. Same way, whether you're talking about White House chief of staff or a deputy mayor mm-hmm. or deputy governor, okay. it's a lot of personality driven. Okay. So Freddie O'Connell and his new administration are going to be getting in the office. How flexible must they be or should they be? And how prepared should they be for emergencies that come up? You faced a few. Well, the first thing he needs to do, if he hasn't already gone out and got a thorough briefing, is go out to the Office of Emergency Management, the uh, war room as such, and learn exactly what happens because when the tornado hits at 2 in the morning, you don't have time to go learn what your role is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's very impressive to see when that happens. I, I think Bob has been out there on a number of times. Uh, we lived out there during uh, the beginning of COVID. We were already there for the tornado, and then COVID hit. Uh, and so the mayor did 101 press conferences from the Office of Emergency Management. Uh, and so it's that's the first thing that he should be doing. But I was very uh, impressed this morning when he said his first 100 days, he wants to concentrate on pulling together the best team he can have. And that's a very positive thing. A lot of people want to go in and the first 100 days solve transportation. But if they don't have the people to mm-hmm. help them do that, then they're flawed. It's going to be pretty tough to yeah. get anything done. Now, right. now, now Bob, uh, looking at Metro Council for a second, new Vice Mayor Angie Henderson said she has, she has a plan to teach new members of Metro Council how it works, how they can be more effective at their job. Real quick, two things. Was it difficult for you to get the swing of things when you started? And what advice do you have for new Metro Council members? Yeah, um, because of term limits, uh, we get new council members all the time every four years. About half the body turns over. And 
Um, I think even for the the most skilled council members, it probably takes uh, two budget cycles to reach a pretty decent understanding of how the metro government works. Um, one doesn't get the job done. Two, you really start to learn something. And I, I would say, I mean, the, I, I served for eight years, and there were things in year. I know there were things in year seven and eight that I, I was still learning. Um, so it is. Um, it takes a, a dedicated effort to make sure you study up on what you need to, and and um, there's a lot of resources and former council members now because of term limits. And so I, I would encourage all council members to um, talk to their predecessors. Not that you have to repeat what they did, but just to not um, have to relearn hard lessons mm -hmm. the hard way. Mm -hmm. Real quick, just under 30 seconds left. What should the people of Nashville, what should we be thinking about as our city government goes through this transition? Um, hold hold uh, Freddie O'Connell and the council members accountable. Um, they've made a pile of promises. I know WPLN um, did a good job of keeping track of the last mayor's um, promises. And um, that accountability is, that's the way to get more people to come vote. All right. Now, Bob Mendez is a former Metro Council member at large. And Bill Phillips is a former deputy mayor to Bill Purcell and John Cooper. I want to, thanks to thank you both for being with us today. Thank really you. Thank you. It. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Char Daston and Rose Gilbert. Elizabeth Burton directed today's show. Laura Boach is our technical director. The masterminds behind our theme music are Lorange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Holly McCall and to you for your continued support of WPLN and This Is Nashville. And listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Download that podcast. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. And be good to each other.